Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm Brian Moran, and today I want to welcome my friend Pat Croce to our show. Pat is many, many things. He's an incredibly successful serial entrepreneur, and today we're going to find out his secret to success. He's a New York Times bestselling author three times over. He's an acclaimed speaker, and I recommend you check out some of his speeches on YouTube. Uh, But more importantly, he's a wonderful human being, and I'm so grateful that he is on our show today. So with that, welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Pat Croce. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for having me on. It's Pat, it is my pleasure. So Pat, you and I have known each other for a little while, and I mentioned to you last year um, my interest in having you on our podcast, and you said, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it for you, and you know, whenever you want to do it. And it is taking me about 14 months to work up the courage to get you on my show. <laughs> And you know, Brian, you know me now. I've, over the past five years, I've done no personal appearances, uh, maybe a podcast now and then for a friend or a family friend. And I really, I stepped out of the public eye. I mean, I do a talk maybe once a year at the Center for Contemplative Studies at Westchester University's uh, Center for Contemplative Studies, which Diane and I fund because it helps a great many people wake up, especially in college. Mm-hmm. So this is special because you're special. I can't thank you enough. And it, it's funny because before today, I listened to a podcast that you did with you and your daughter, Kelly, did with Stephanie Hayden. It was back in September of 2018. And she did such a great job hosting it and asking the right questions about your life and about where it's taken you and stuff. I'm actually going to list it as a resource on my podcast, but it also helped me uh, not ask the same questions because I think there is so much to learn from you that um, I would consider this almost like an extension of what, what she initially did. So um, uh, that was great. So, you know, Brian, Stephanie is a, her older sister was one is one of Kelly's best friends. And so Kelly had asked me to do that for them. And it was a great, Stephanie's a beautiful person. And it was a wonderful experience to be doing something with my daughter. As a matter of fact, my daughter, Brian, next month launches her own podcast, Opt In, it's called. And so she's really working hard at it with a partner, Aurora Archer, and uh, a woman of color, half Mexican and half uh, uh, African-American, and it's going to be really interesting, deep. Uh, it's, it's challenging and courageous to go where they're going. I, well, I will list that as a resource on the podcast uh, as well, the podcast page. You know, I think anybody who has something of value to share with the world, it's almost their responsibility to share it. And that's why I love talking to you because do okay, you... Okay, Brian, Brian, let me ask you a question based on that. How do you know, how do you know that you have something to share? For me, it's, it's like a calling. For me, it's... it's uh, Define the calling. It's what God intended me to do. But how is it? Like, what did it manifest as? 
Like, what was it? Was it a wake-up call in the morning? Was it a pen to paper and all of a sudden it came out podcast? What was that calling that that manifested the energy that you have into now a podcast? It, for me, it was other people telling me that, you know, um, hey, you, you really should do a podcast. You know, you, they read okay, my blog. Okay, that's, that's, that's not it, though. No, no, okay. no. They'll tell you a lot of things. Okay. I want to know that moment, that present moment. I know you can't experience the past, but that moment in thought when you said, I'm going to do it, and you execute it. Uh, I didn't realize it was going to get put on the spot so early in our podcast. Um, it, for me, it was the ability to connect with people like you and all these other fascinating people. And I love the idea of talking and the enlightening takeaways that come from it. So was there an exact moment? I couldn't tell you that there was or that there wasn't, but I knew that when I started it last year that it was the right thing to do. Did the ego ever step in and say it was not the right thing to do? Yes. A hundred percent. So, yeah, because, and then, and then it was, I'm, I'm doing this all for myself and personal glory and success. And I moved past that because it's not about me. It's about helping other people achieve their goals and objectives and helping them through the valleys that they're walking through at the present time. See, that's beautiful. And it brings me to a really important point that, most people realize desires. Mm-hmm. They have desires. Now, they ha- you have to ask yourself, from where is this desire arising? What does wanting want? This wanting energy that's bubbling up as an urge, as an idea, as an intuition, what does it exactly want? Where is it coming from? In your instance, it was coming from a place of completeness, fullness. When you break it down from a place of love that you wanted to express these teachings, this podcast teachings, Q&A, to others in a sharing way, where the ego, where most desires come from, is for, from a lack, a sense of lack, insufficiency. I want more, more mm-hmm. notoriety, more this, more that, more aggrandizement, more, 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 as the Dalai Lama says, more, more, more. So it's really important for all of your listeners, first and foremost, whenever they have any desire to ask themselves, what is my motivation? Where is it coming from? The desire of fear that I do not have enough or the desire from love. I want to express, share, and communicate from the truth. And everything you just said is something that I want to talk about because there needs to be, does there need to be an unbundling of the pet? Like, or or do we, do we have to move back from the path that we've chosen to go to the path that, you know, we were, we were meant to go on or the one that's going to lead us to our goals and objectives, or can we simply Let me use your words, Brian. Let me interrupt and use your words. You don't ever have to go back. Okay. You do not go back. Okay. Please, listeners, realize there is no back. There's the thought of back, but there's no experience of going back in the past. The past has served its purpose 
perfectly. The past has served its purpose perfectly to take you and bring you where you are with whom you are with, doing exactly what you're doing. Does it need to be changed, altered, reviewed, manipulated, recognized, whatever? Yes, it may. But that doesn't mean you have to go back. And no regretment, no resentment, no blame, no guilt, nothing. You just take what you've learned. And now what's coming up in the present moment, in the now, with, based on where you were, based on listening to Brian Moran's podcast, something resonates with you. Ah, let me add that to my soup and marinate that in. But you don't go back. You stop. Like in a movie. We all have this movie in our head. This movie, this personal little me, the I am thought, not just the I am, but I am a thought that that down, Brian, I'm Pat, I'm that that. Now, that's a movie. All throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, every once in a while, you listen to a podcast like yours and you just yell, cut. <laughs> just stop right yeah. there and evaluate exactly where you are, what you're doing. Does it give you a sense of lightness, a smile? joy, even enthusiasm at times, or do you feel heavy and dark and upset and just that low vibrational frequency? Or is it that high vibrational frequency of gratitude and acceptance and uh, compassion and humor and curiosity and courage? So just stop. Cut. Make yeah. a gap in your life. I, I heard uh, Pema Chodran, who's a famous American Buddhist monk, speak. She's a divorced mother of two. I heard her speak four and a half years ago in L.A., at UCLA. And she had Katie Lang, Katie Lang on the stage with her. And she said, probably the most important thing you can do in your life is to allow gaps to occur. Be gapacious. I thought, oh, is that good? And I really didn't understand exactly what it was, but for all of your small business leaders, allow that gap in your life to stop, evaluate where you are, where you're going, not where you've been. You've already seen that. You've already learned from it and you experienced it. Right. Take it and go and move forward, but taking in new information. And that gap provides a not only a stop knowing what you already know, but it allows a universal intelligence to rise up and maybe give you some wisdom that you didn't even think of before. So for most of my listeners and myself included, when we stop and we allow that gap to happen, I see like the, gra the gratitude is always there for me. I'm grateful for every single day I'm alive. And I appreciate all that God has given me and my family and my mental faculties and the ability to do what I love to do. But I also carry this weight of stress and anxiety and the daily struggles of running a business. And, and when things don't go right, I had this vision one time, and I want you to picture this, uh, of being on a high wire, riding a bicycle, and I'm carrying a set of weights. And on the one side is everything that's important in life, the big picture, 
my family, my faith, um, expressing gratitude, uh, the big picture. And on the other side is the insignificant, everyday, non-essential things that weigh me down. And the challenge is to maintain that balance because I feel like if I move towards one side or the other, I'm going to tip over and I'm going to fall off the high wire. Does that make sense? Oh, sure. It's a great graphic. But again, it's only as real as the thought that thinks it. I want to know, and yes, all business owners, small or large, have challenges and struggles. But this anxiety and stress that you're talking about, this worry, tell me about that. It's, it's you know, I have, I'll be 100% transparent because it benefits my listeners. I have a finite amount of resources. So if I make a mistake, a financial mistake, that costs me, that prevents me from being able to do the things that I need to do. If I enter into the wrong partnership and it puts me behind, I'm, I'm launching a new platform for business owners. I wanted it done in March. It's now September and we're just getting ready to launch it. So there's been daily anxiety about getting this thing off the ground and like we it's it's been a it's taken a lot longer than I expected. And it's not So it's the not, anxiety the anxiety is attached to your like or dislike. You mean in terms of do I like the well, platform? You, yeah, no. Do you like it? Do you dislike it not launching in March and instead it's launching now? Of course. Well, why? Who are you to like or dislike? <laughs> when, when the universe unfolds, it's always perfect. You right. have to have an internal yes. The yes comes up in you when you say, God shows me a way, right? Right. Well, why is this not the way? Why do you say But what no? about the commitments? You... What about the commitments that I made to my sponsors and to my members? What about to... them? What about them? What is what? wrong with the commitments? Well, the expectation was that these were these were going to be done five, six months ago. And now and, and did you not did you not do them because you decided that you'd rather use the money to blow coke up your nose? <laughs> no. No, I know. It sounds funny, but yeah. that's it's, that's not under your control. And any intelligent sponsor is going to un realize when you launch a new brand, a new vehicle, a new communication tool, that stuff is going to happen. Yes. Things will hit the fan. So I, what you have to realize is when you do your best, God takes care of the rest. Okay. Or in Zen, how you do anything is how you do everything. And the how in the now creates the wow. It's the how. And let me give you one other. I shared this with people two weeks ago. I, I host a sangha every Sunday at 11 o'clock via Zoom. And it's all people on the path of awakening. Mm -hmm. But it's really important that the second verse of the Tao Te Ching, written 2,500 years ago by Lao Tzu, his counterpart, he's the scholar, his counterpart in China 2,500 years ago was Sun Tzu, the art of war. You're familiar yeah. with that, obviously. Sure. We use those principles in business. Well, Sun Tzu and the Tao Te Ching, the second paragraph, the second verse, there's only 81 verses, was all about 
act without expectations. Act without expecting absolute results. Act without expecting anything in return. Act without expecting a rigid way. There's always detours. But you are so attached to the expectations that you caused yourself mental anguish. No, that doesn't mean you don't want it to happen. You just don't get attached to it happening. You do everything in your power to make it happen on your goal date. But if it doesn't happen, it means it wasn't meant to happen. And something better will happen because it was delayed four months. That's how you look at the universe. That's how you look at God's way. Not interfering with it, thinking if you stress over it, it's going to be better. Any worry you've had over from March till now has done you no benefit. You're if right. anything, it's lowered your, if anything, Brian, it's lowered your vibrational frequency. And at that bandwidth, you attract like frequencies like anger and frustration and blame and non-forgiveness and pettiness. And you may not treat your family with the respect they're due because you're at a low frequency. When now, you're at a high frequency with a, an internal yes, a yes to what is, I know it's hard, but a yes to what's unfolding, it changes your entire bandwidth and it changes your perspective of the world. So let's talk about those frequencies for, for my listeners who don't understand that, that there are people in the world who operate at low level frequencies and they are the people who are angry and anxious and vengeful. And that is where um, a lot of the bad happens in the world, right? And then there are people who live and operate at the high level frequencies where it's gratitude, appreciation, sincerity, generosity, curiosity, all operate at a very high level frequency. And when you, you, what you're saying is that when you operate at a high level frequency, the low, the people at the low level frequency, they can't touch you. They can't touch you. You right. can't touch this. Whatever right. that song was. You can't touch this. <laughs> uh, MC Hammer. I yeah, there you go. So yeah. imagine, let's, let's use a little metaphor, graphic metaphor. So those that are at a low vibrational frequency, and we're all just energy, right? So in mm -hmm. the realm of form. So we're talking form, not, not metaphysical, but in form. Those that are on a low vibrational frequency, which is fear-based, just imagine them were in an apartment complex. They are in the basement, first floor, second floor, depending on their level of anger and upsetness and worry and non-forgiveness and judgment. Mm -hmm. And they look out the window and they might see the roots of a tree or even just cement the fire escape. Now, you, at a high vibrational frequency, when you're not angsting over a delay in the, the launch of your podcast, you're in the penthouse. Uh -huh. You're overlooking the treetops, seeing the ocean. And I see a Ferris wheel. And you see an entire environment of colors and brightness and clouds and sky and stars. And you cannot talk to people at a low frequency. They they're not going to understand what you're saying. Be positive. Be present. They're not. Don't judge. Look, that doesn't mean anything to them, right. because they're in the basement. But if you give them little tips and tools and exercises with which they can realize a higher frequency with practice, like with anything else, 
with strength training, you grow strength with, uh, with anything, with speaking like you, you're a public speaker. The more you do, the more you know, the more you work at it, the greater you are. One example, just one example. If you find yourself judging others or judging situations, just judging, Mm -hmm. it's, it's an opinion with a charge to it. Everyone can have opinions, but when you have a charge to it, you're really attached to it. And you think that opinion is you, that judgment. And that happens with almost everybody. If you just stop, stop, cut, stop, add a little gap and replace it. Substitute curiosity. This happened to me. I hated guys cutting in front of me. Uh, this they cut in front of me. I beat the horn. They chucked me the <laughs> finger, and I wanted to rip their heads off. Yes. I'd say, "You asshole! You! I want to just jam my car right up the rear." Yeah. Now, now someone cuts in front of me. Yeah, you give them a little tap. You know, wake up. But if they chuck me the finger, I I still get the bite. The shemp is still triggers, but I went. Aha, uh-huh, so. So instead of calling him an answer, I go, ah, uh, so. That's a, like a Ram Das line. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder what's their day like? Yeah. What is causing this person to chuck me the finger? And you know it's a low vibrational frequency. They just kicked their cat and got in the car and took off. Yeah. So it's just like that. That is a great little. Another one would be substituting complaint, complaining about something. With gratitude. Yeah. Just like, and that's not easy. Please, let's tell your listeners, these are not easy states of mind. And they're just states of mind. But the state of mind of gratitude and curiosity is deeper than just a state of mind. It can be all the way down to your real self, which is a love-based, where the low frequency is fear-based. The high frequency is love-based, that sharing, expressing, communicating, like we talked about earlier with your podcast. So is the, is the delving into the world of low frequency, is that keeping people from realizing their dreams? Without a doubt. With, you know that self-fulfilling prophecy? Yeah. Oh, it's not going to happen. It can't. Yeah. No, without a doubt. They're not even, their dreams aren't even real. They're, they're intentions. There's no intention behind their dream. They're right. just plain old wishes because their separate self, their little me in the movie is saying, this isn't going to work. Yeah. They already got the back door wide open, ready to bail. <laughs> All right. Now that brings me to what was my very first question in this podcast. And is, is your ability to execute your superpower? Because I tell you, I have never in my life met somebody who can execute with greater ferocity and stamina and success than you. Well, thank you for that compliment. So, so is that your superpower? And if it is, is that something you were born with? Because I don't know how anybody can learn to execute with as much confidence and enthusiasm and staying power. I just have never seen it. And let, let me expand on this a little bit for the people who, who may not know you. Most people, most business owners are successful with one company. 
the ones that are successful. You 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 grew up in uh, middle class Pennsylvania, right town. Uh, your your dad was Italian. Your mom was Irish. Your dad brought you discipline and organization. Your mom brought you curiosity and creativity. You grew up not saying to yourself, "I'm going to be one of the most." successful people in the world. And, and to me, you are. You're in that top 1% for all the right reasons. But you, your mom introduces you to rehabilitation services, and you put the spin on it, and you open up a sports rehabilitation uh, facility. I think you were 30, were you 30 years old at the time when you opened it? Um, anyway. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you turn that one sports rehab center into a, uh, 40 rehab centers in 11 states, and then you sell it for a ton of money. Not satisfied with that success and keeping your curiosity alive, you go chase something that you're equally as passionate about, and you become a, an owner of the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's a great story. And, and I will recommend, again, people to listen to your podcast with Stephanie Hayden because it was fantastic. Um, you take the 76ers from first to worst. Uh, I'm sorry, from no, worst, to, <laughs> worst <laughs> to first. My, my bad. Um, and everybody loves you. Everybody trusts you. Everybody follows you. And then you sell your stake in the 76ers and you go open a string of restaurants in Florida, in the Keys, and you get, you're incredibly successful there. That doesn't happen. That happens to like 0.01% of the human population. So what is your secret to success? I think it's your incredible ability to execute like nobody I've ever seen. Well, thank you. Thank you for that bio dump. And also thank you for the compliment. But can I just touch on before we answer that question? Okay. One thing along that bio path in the past is when we had the 76ers and Comcast was the majority partner. Yes, it was my idea and to go after it. And everyone said I was nuts, but that's okay. Right. But I, I just want to say, because there are, these business owners that are listening to you right now are going to come if they haven't already into a similar situation. My first year, yes, the team was the worst team in the NBA. They won 18 games the previous year. Mm. So who would want to take care of them? I mean, everyone said they didn't even sell out when Julius Serving was on the team when they were in the championship in 1983. Now this is 1996 and I didn't care what the past was. I'm not a big I learned from the past, but that I let it go, like clouds in the sky or smoke off the end of a cigar, gone. But the first year, after the first year, I made a big mistake. I hired a rookie general manager, who in turn hired a rookie coach. And our record was 22 wins. We, yeah, we won like 10% more, but, but it was... 22 wins out of an 82 game schedule. So I had to, I, I did, I was not pleased with the level of communication, the level of discipline, the level of intensity. I was just angsting over why, how could this not be? I could have the greatest marketing, the greatest fan relations, uh, 
put the best show on the court outside the players, you know, the dance team and the house band and the, you know, uh, boys to men singing the national anthem. Yeah, yeah. But no, but even having even all the concessionaires and the ticket takers smiling and greeting you didn't matter. You know, it all came to wins and losses, almost right. like business, profit and profit and loss. Right. So what I did was, and this is probably what I'm most noted for, is that I fired both of them, but then I went and held a giant fan meeting and I went on every news station and I apologized. I said, I was sorry. I am to blame, solely to blame, and I will rectify this. And I think that left an indelible mark with people realizing that all leaders in all businesses, integrity is really, really important. Now, if I would have just put the blame on the GM, hired the coach, no, that, that's not good enough. No, I took the blame. I knew I was wrong. And then after that, I went and found Larry Brown. I mean, someone who had experience. I knew, you know, experience was was worth its weight in gold, was worth its weight in wins. And, and even though he was high maintenance, it yeah. didn't matter to me. I was going for the gusto because I promised my expectations were a championship team. And it and that and being attached to that expectation that first year was painful every day because I, I am from Philly. I live here in the Philadelphia area. And so anywhere I go, I mean, your team sucks. Uh, you no, know, five years later, you can't do wrong because, you yeah. know, the team was great. Yeah. But I just wanted to put that out there that it's not all roses. You painted my career. And thankful, thank you for that. In a, you know, whatever I touch is gold. Nah, it doesn't, didn't work that way. It, you're going to run into struggles and road bumps and detours. And what was my success? and is my success and is the secret of success is to accepting what unfolds now, what accepts, what ex accepting what unfolds in the present moment, and then using the intelligence that you've gathered from past experience and listening to those around you on what to do next. Not the naysayers, not the low vibe people. No, they're going to say no to everything. Right. But, listening to people who are smarter than you in areas that you're just tangential to, but that curiosity and courage that takes a big part of it too. It takes courage. So what, what do they say? It's the start that stops most people. Yeah. Well, that was never my problem. That was not my problem. Yes. You are born with PMA in your DNA, a positive mental attitude that you believe that you can do certain things, but, you can also work on that PMA. You can also, through experience, through little successes, beget bigger successes and realize that you have the wherewithal, the bandwidth, to be able to take on greater challenges. That doesn't mean you don't do it without a game plan, without thoroughly investigating the market and your due diligence and your differentiator to show how is the best chance of me winning in this game. That's really important is to really put in the homework. And that is something I did in everything, whether it was the sports medicine world, the professional sports world, or the hospitality world, is to really invest your time and effort and energy. But, and this is really important, execution comes a lot easier when you're passionate about what you're executing. I mean, I was a physical therapist, athletic trainer by trade. 
I love the body. And to be able to take someone who's injured and make them good and someone who's good and make them feel great. Ah, that was beautiful. I was and am a Philadelphia sports fan. And to take a team in the basement and polish them off and bring in a new dose of enthusiasm was just passionate. And then relative to the hospitality world, it wasn't starting with restaurants. And for your listeners' sake, it was to create a museum, a pirate museum, because I was passionate about pirates. I had such a collection, one of the greatest in the world. And I thought launching a pirate museum in Key West, which had pirates and still does have pirates, <laughs> it would be, you know, Bill Fisher's museum where he found the Atosha in 86 or whenever that was, was down there. And, uh, you know, I did my due diligence. And again, here was what some people would consider a failure. After five years, it didn't work well. But the bar next to it, the run barrel, which was contiguous to it that I created, started to work. And from there, the restaurant hospitality, my son-in-law, Jeff, took that and, you know, from the green parrot and half shell and turtle crows and island dogs and Charlie Max. And, you know, they all just start blossoming. Now, we since closed the run barrel because it didn't work after the museum did not work after five years. We Move. I moved the Pirate Museum to St. Augustine, where pirates have Sir Francis Drake and Robert Searles did step on those grounds in the 16th century and 17th century. But again, my due diligence was greater because I had done it as well in the past. The museum, my passionate and positive attitude, blinded reality. And I, I didn't say cut. I thought right into it. I didn't do. That's why I'm telling your listeners right now to really go in. But the due diligence I did before I moved the Pirate Museum to St. Augustine paid off. And now for the past 10 years, it's it's unbel- It's always on Pirates, uh, Mysteries of the Museum or History Channel or Nat Geo. It's just wonderful. And I just love it. But it did launch the, muse- the restaurants. But I, hospitality, I love people. But the restaurant business was not me, is not me. But it is my son and son-in-law, my son Michael, my son-in-law Jeff, and they've taken the reins five years ago and made it something special. But so I want your listeners to know that it's just not a a hockey stick. It was not a hockey stick. It's more like one of those graphs you see in a stock market. Up and down, up and down. Two steps up, one step back. And, and, and so here, here are my takeaways from your experience is that you have, if you, you know, and it's funny too, I, I uh, met uh, Reggie Jackson years ago uh, when I was working with a client and we did a tweet chat together and I, I was in the room with him before it was starting. And I said to him, you know, in a similar vein, like, how are you a, you know, so successful in almost everything you touch? you know, your baseball career. And then he has this burgeoning classic car business and auto parts business. And he said, everything I do that's important to me in my life starts with a great passion, a great Ah. passion to do something. And he said, and then he outlined his steps to success. And at the end he said, and if you ever get lost along the way, go back to step one. Why did you get into this? in the first place. It's because you had a great passion for it. So a lot of what you're saying now resonates with me, but some of the other takeaways, 
um, you need to flip the switch from motivation to commitment. That if you're motivated to for success and you're motivated by turning a hobby into a business, if you're not committed to that, you it, it's going to break you when you are in the valleys. You know, the mountaintop moments are great. Everybody enjoys the mountaintop moment. But when you're in that valley and you and the weight of the world is on your shoulders, it's when you need to reinforce, you know, the reason that you're doing this and that you're committed to it and that you know that you're going to come out on the other end even better and stronger and smarter because of it. Kind of like what, what happened with you and in, in, in the restaurant business, right? Where it didn't so start let's off. Say, let's time. stay there just for a second because – Acting without expectations, which is a age-old spiritual teaching, as I said, mm-hmm. goes even further back than the Tao Te Ching. But nevertheless, when you act without expectations, really not attached to the fruits of your action, the action itself, it's not a means to an end. The means is the end. How you do what you do, how in the now creates the wow within you. When Reggie said the passion, go back to step one. It's always going back to how am I doing this? Yes, the passion is coming from a love base, your true self with a capital S. And you want to do something, the energy along that. You also have to evaluate, can I do it? You can be passionate about something, but you might not be able to do it. And you don't want your passion to blind your realism in this world because the market might not be calling for it or the competition might be too great. So just because you have a passion doesn't necessarily mean it will come to fruition in a very successful mode. But if you add passion with proper execution, right? You know, that E for execution also has the E for economics, the E for exciting idea, the E for executive team. It has all these E for equipment. The E for all those other E's, yes. Then the execution, you get get off the pot. Go move for it. Take take that step. Believe in yourself. And if it doesn't work, at least the passion of each and every moment of each and every day was fulfilling. It was light. But if you're doing something without that light of passion and just a means to an end, when the end comes, you're just going to look for another end. And when the end comes and it's not successful, all of those days and nows along the way were torture. Right. You should not, you're not born to be in torture. The Buddha said, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. There's pain no is inevitable. Reason. Suffering is optional. It's optional. Right. Suffering is optional. Yes, you're going to suffer when you lose a loved one. But other than that, we're talking about the angst and where you felt because the podcast was delayed several months. That's an option, a choice you made that not necessarily was needed. Because look at now. You've launched it to success, and all that worry and angst was for naught. As I said, it lowered your vibrational frequency during that time. And it can also have a psychosomatic outcome, meaning it can cause illness and sickness and injury and pain, not so, only mental pain. So the angst and, and, and anxiety and stress that you talk about will never deliver victory from the jaws of defeat, but it may snap uh, defeat from the jaws of victory, right? So Beautiful. You're, Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, because it is. 
every, so let's stay there because if I had one message to tell your listeners is to redefine success. Okay. Don't look at our president on television and say that success, the most powerful position in the world, billionaire, notoriety. No, no. It's how you do what you do right now. How you are listening to Brian Moran. How you are talking with space of awareness behind your words. How you are operating in business. Everything from walking into the meeting to listening to your employees and staff, to recognizing them, to caring about them, everything, that is success. That's the true, that's the true definition of success, how you do right now. That's okay. it. And so, every one of your listeners is a success when they go into each present moment aware of how they're doing right now. There's a term for that called mindfulness, but right. that is very being attention in the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. So for my listeners who are struggling, who are listening to our podcast and saying, I feel like I'm, I'm riding a bicycle with two flat tires stuck in the swamps of Jersey somewhere <laughs> And they're saying, how do I get off the path that I'm on? Let, let's see if we can help them. Because there are so many businesses that are struggling right now uh, because of the volatility in the marketplace, the fear of recession, the expectations, you know, 2020, am I in a position to succeed? I have disengaged workers. There are so many things that are sitting on their plate right now, and they are on that high wire. They're, they're with me on the high wire. We have a finite amount of resources, and if we make a mistake, it could kill our business. And so I, I heard, and, and, I, and I'm going to re-listen to this podcast because I want to write down all of the takeaways for um, not only the listeners of the podcast, but the people on our platform and the people who follow me on social media because it is that important. No matter where you are right now, whether you feel like you're on the verge of going out of business or you are on, well on your way to success, um, you need to have what I call a GPS plan. And I think that's what you described, a GPS plan that holds yourself accountable for the path that you're on. You also shouldn't do it alone. And, and you correct me if I'm, if I'm mistaken on any of this. You, you, you shouldn't do it alone. You need to have other people who can see and hear things that you don't see, like from angles that you can't see. Um, there needs to be, you need to let go of the past, past mistakes, past failures, um, and, and focus on what you can do today and today alone to help you achieve your success. Now, if you're carrying baggage, you want to let that go. And you want to focus on what is going to help me right now achieve success today. Is that accurate? Yes. And let's, let me use a metaphor. Let's every one of your listeners imagine they have glasses on. If they have them on, take them off. I'm going to take mine off. Take them I'm off. Taking mine off. Okay. Now just put on a new pair. I just want everyone to put on a new pair of lenses. Just a new pair of lenses. 
imagine they're new. Clean them, whatever you have to do. Clean your glasses, put them back on. Okay. If you don't wear glasses, imagine you are wearing these gorgeous crystal clear glasses. And I want you to view right now through those glasses and ask yourself, what is my problem right now? Right now. Not in the future, not what caused it. Right now. What is my problem? You'll see, you'll see that there is no problem right now. Now ask yourself, what are my challenges now and in the future? That's a totally different story. A totally different lens that you're looking out to your through your to your business through this lens to your business. You don't have a problem right now. Right now, unless you have a toothache or a stomach yeah. ache, but otherwise you don't have a problem. That's a mind thing. That's a concept. That's a state of mind. Challenges? Yes. Life challenges? You can't be in the realm of form without challenges. I think it was the road less taken said, the path, once, the path is difficult. Once you realize the path is difficult, then the path isn't difficult. What? That's the beginning, the first page of the road less taken. Yeah. It's, it's, what, once you realize, as you're saying, that there are challenges, and then write them down. What are the challenges? And when you change your glasses and you change your perspective, which is only a reflection of your state of consciousness, also, you may have to change those you're listening to. As you said, Brian, so succinctly, you know, the past gave you the information, you learned from it. Now, you might not want to listen to the same voice in your head as well as outside your head in your boardroom that you've been listening to because this challenge requires a different perspective. And be that leader, be that aware present that takes in all. But you have to ask the question first, what is my challenge now? What is my life challenge? And from that, what ripples out? Let's go the other direction. For those who have a dream or vision or intention, I like to say, whatever it is in the future, break it down, vision breakdown. Break it down into goals, time-sensitive goals. And take each goal and break it down further into strategies, the hows you're going to do and achieve this goal. And you take each strategy and you break that down further into action steps. And those action steps then go on your to-do list. Now, somewhere along that continuum from the to-do list all the way to the dream and vision, the ultimate intention that you have deep down in your heart of passion, people fall off the continuum. Yes. They don't check off the to-do list item. They jump before and they start worrying about some future time commitment. No. How you do that one so-called remedial item on your to-do list is the success, is the feeling of accomplishment that will higher raise that high vibrational frequency, which will allow you to do the most difficult item on that to-do list for today. The one usually pushed to the bottom. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. amazing. It's so it's, it's execute with a laser like focus and with an understanding that you will succeed. Understanding that you will succeed in the now. Yeah. Not today. in the future. Right. Not in the 
Don't don't be attached to the future. When you succeed in the now, you just add them up. The future can't not be a success. That's the irony of this whole thing. So there's a, a great quote. I think it was Marcus Aurelius. What stands in the way becomes the way. Oh, I love that guy. If you read his book, Meditations, I mean, yeah. this guy was amazing. This yeah. is one of the rare philosopher kings who really was on the awakened path 2,000 years ago. Yeah, yeah. You and I have a lot of those uh, uh, common quotes and themes. You know, every time I hear you say something, I say, I've read that, or that is, you know, <laughs> he's, he's but, dead on. But realize what, realize what you're saying with what stands in the way is the way. It's the challenge. Right. Marcus Aurelius isn't saying it's a problem. It's saying that's how the universe unfolds. And right. for your listeners, they may not like it, but the universe doesn't give a shit what they like or what they want. Yeah. The universe only cares what they need. And this so-called problem is what they need until they realize it's a challenge that they can overcome. And once they overcome it, there'll be more challenges. But the energy they use to overcome the previous challenge has strengthened their resolve and their courage and their conviction and their execution standards to go for the next step. They're walking on the razor edge of uh, life and it just keeps expanding and expanding. And what well, I think it was, uh, who was that Walsh guy, Neil, uh, something Neil Walsh who said, uh, life begins at the end of your comfort. Oh zone. yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know what's interesting about all of this, Pat? And and I've, I've kind of realized it today. Um, 10, 12 years ago, um, my oldest brother had passed away in 2005. And, I, and, and he was one of six boys and a girl in my family. And I remember saying to my brothers, this is, it, it was December 6, 2006. You know, when you ask, you know, when did you realize something? I, I called my older brother, Mark, and I said, you know, I, I feel like we just didn't, you know, honor James in, in, in a way that was appropriate to him. And I, I want to do something to recognize his life and, and what he meant to us. And I said, uh, and, and two of my brothers were very good runners in high school. And I said, are you still planning to run the New York City Marathon next year? And he said, I am. And I said, I want to run it with you. <laughs> wow. He laughed. He must have laughed about 10, 10, 15 minutes. And then he said, holy crap, you're serious. And I said, I'm, I'm 100% serious. I want to do this. You know, this is, I don't want to do a 5K, which I can do and kind of cheat myself out of. I want to run this marathon. And so I, we got the, the two of my other brothers and my cousin to join us. And uh, it's funny, we, there were five of us. So we all had a letter of my brother James's name. I was, I was M. And, um, and you know what? It was hard. It was, you know, running, and, and I'm not a runner. I mean, I got down to about 250 pounds to run this marathon, and, and, but I had never lost the commitment and the focus, and whatever stood in my way became the way. And I don't have a good ah. right knee either. You know, I, and, and it's funny you mention it, because everything you're talking about right now, I see how that unfolded for me. In, in that marathon training, and I said, I just need to get to the starting line, and then I know I can do it. And I think about what it took to run 26.2 miles in the New York City Marathon and all of the times along the way where 
I just, I felt like, oh my God, my body's breaking down. This hurts. You know, I didn't hit one wall. I must have hit six walls. And, and I had the faith and the support of my family there the whole way. And I had my brother there. And, it, and it's funny. There's a, a great story about uh, what happened. I was running over the, um, the bridge into the Bronx. And um, I remember saying a little prayer. I'm like, God, I, I need to make this. Like, this is really hard. And on the back of my shirt, it said, thank you, God, for giving me today. And... Um, I, I was running over the bridge and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know that I'm going to make this. It, it, my whole body is killing me, my knee, everything. And I said, God, just give me a sign that I'm going to be able to do this. And I get a tap on my shoulder and it's a gentleman in an orange cap. And uh, uh, he said, oh, I really love the back of your shirt. We could have used you this morning. And I said, uh, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, we had a prayer service over on Staten Island and it was great. And, you know, everybody, you know, we talked all about what, the, what today means to us. And I said, well, who are you? He said, I'm the chaplain for the New York City Marathon. And I, I, I remember this story. Maybe it's not correct. But I said, well, how many of there are you? Like how many chaplains? And he said, no, there's just me. Now, there there were 45,000 people in this race, more or less. And it was like at that moment when I, like, it was just one of those things calling out to the universe. And what you say is, you don't always get what you want, but you do get what you need. And it was at that moment that, and I told him what had just happened. And he said to me, well, I'm here for you. And I'm going to run because I told a friend I would catch up to him. But if I don't, see you by the end of the race, I will come back and, and find you and we'll finish this race together. And it was amazing wow. because we wow. ran through the Bronx into Harlem and I caught him and I said, Hey, just so you know, I'm going to be okay. Uh-huh. I finished the race and it was, it, I crossed a threshold when I crossed that finish line. And I realized that there is nothing that I can't do in this world if I have the right plan, the right commitment, the right energy, the right enthusiasm. But what you're saying is this added element of living in the now. Don't think of all 26 miles at once. Think about this quarter of a mile that you're running right now and run it with purpose and enthusiasm and curiosity and then the next quarter of a mile, everything will start to unfold in front of you. And if you hit your problems along the way, and if you hit obstacles, you'll navigate them, but you'll never lose sight of the finish line. That's what I just got out of today. Well, that's a beautiful metaphor for exactly what we talked about over the past hour. Look, you had a curiosity about Doing something for your brother, deceased brother, and then you committed to it, and then you had the courage to execute. I mean, that's really important. And there's, there's, I told you, act without expectations are three words that I love and live by from the Tao Te Ching. There's four words that I also like that I'd like to share with you and your listeners from uh, the Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh. He's still alive, 92 Mm -hmm. years old. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. nominated him for a Nobel Peace Prize after the Vietnam War. But he's got a book, one of his many books, but a line that I love, that's the name of a book, No Mud, No Lotus. 
And right now, you might think that doesn't mean much, but for your listeners, the lotus flower, the gorgeous lotus flower only grows in the ugly mud. The mud, the mud, the resistance in life. When you do resistance exercises, muscles grow, but they're painful. You trained for that marathon mentally and physically, and it was hard. And the lotus flower was crossing that finish line and having revelations in, a, in addition to realizations, in addition to the, the feeling for the commitment to your brother, is every one of your listeners has to know they have to go through these fires for freedom and liberation. It has to be. Right. It's just the realm of form. It's just how it happens. But if you fight it the whole way and resist what is, you're just going to suffer. It's going to come anyway. So why not say internally yes to the universe? Doesn't mean a yes uh, uh, so I can get through with it. No, this is how God's way, the Tao, the universe is unfolding. And it unfolds perfectly before you and for you. That's it. That's all there is. Well, this has been my favorite podcast. I've done 25 of them, I think, so far. This has been by far the most enlightening, the most helpful, and the most fun. And I'm only the only thing I'm, I'm, I regret is that I waited 14 months to do it. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! I know, I know, hey, you, hey, I know hey, what hey. you're going to say. I know, I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? You, you, you're going to say, it, forget the past and yeah. appreciate the now. And I do. There's no such thing as regret. Right. Listen, right. listen, we're going to end with this. <laughs> there is no such thing as regret. Everyone totally. did everything they did in the past as a learning experience to now. That's yeah. it. There should be no regrets as there should be no guilt. There should be no blame. No, no regrets. We will end on that, Brian. You yeah. do not regret the past. Of course. It served its purpose perfectly for you, me, and your listeners to be present together right now. Just think of that. Just cut. Think about that. Think about that. Think about that. In that space where you're just being aware, look at all of us are together right now. Where There's a 10 trillion choices between us all that we could make. Right. But we are all together right now. There's something to say about that. Right. That means nothing. It's just silence. I think it was the famous poet Rumi, uh, the Sufi master in the 13th century. Silence is the language of God. All else is a poor translation. (laughs) Don't forget that gap of silence. Cicero, one of the great arts. Silence is one of the great arts of conversation, something along those lines. But uh, yeah, and then uh, Desiderata, amid the noise and haste of daily human life, uh, appreciate the, the moment of silence. I, I have to remember these now. Of course, oh, it's that's not good. Yeah, Desiderata, Max Lerman from 1923, and uh, it's it's you know I'll send it to you if you haven't read it. It's fantastic, but um, yeah, everything everything you say, uh, and it, I'll, I'll I'll end it with this. I think it was um, Vic, it was Viktor Frankl, but I know it's one of the forwards of one of your books with Stephen Covey that. 
between stimulus, there's a, there's a space between uh, stimulus and response. And in that space is our freedom to choose how we're going to respond. And, well, and let me tell you, let me tell you a little. Let, so between stimulus and response is a space right. for all of our listeners at Gap. And in that space is our power to choose a response. And in that response is the power of growth and happiness. Bingo. That, that, I'm going to figure out how to make that the title of this podcast. <laughs> uh, Pat, this was... I, I can't thank you enough for my, it was my honor. Yeah. My pleasure, Brian. It's always great to talk to you. And yes, again, I was just a vehicle for information to come up. So it's, you know, together you and I channeled this podcast so that your listeners would have something that would resonate and bring them home. Yeah. I will send you the feedback I get from my listeners because they're pretty good about writing me and telling me what they like and what they don't like. So I'll share their their words with you because I know that we've impacted more than a few people today. I'm, I'm sure that this will be a podcast they listen to at least a few times. The way I, I follow you on Twitter, and that's for everybody who wants more Pat Croce, it's Pat underscore Croce at, on Twitter. And your daily inspirational, motivational, guiding light tweets. Um, you may not realize this, but I will read them. I will go back and read them, you know, for, a, you know, go back weeks at a time. And, you know, something may not resonate with me the first time, but it will the second, the third, or the fifth. All of a sudden I'll say, ah, that's what Pat was talking about. And I should tell you, Brian, relative to my tweets, and it takes me a while to, conjure up a tweet I marinated and that's whether it's from meditating or journaling or, or reading that morning or whatever I'm doing but if it doesn't give me a mini aha a Satorian Zen you know that moment of no mind pure inspiration that that lightning bolt if I don't get that I don't write it and I've never said it to anyone yeah but I'm telling you if I don't feel that ah, that little ah, yeah I don't write it well, I appreciate what you write, and it, oh, it well, brings me, you. as you like to say, was it uh, Kaizen, continuous Kaizen. improvement. <laughs> yeah, well, that's you know that's a beautiful Japanese philosophy of of life. Just yeah, because if you're not improving, you're not staying the same. You're losing ground. You're losing ground on life. Life is all about being curious and courageous enough to take the next step forward and see what is unfolding before you and grab it, embrace it, celebrate it, dance with it, enjoy it. There you go. And on that note, again, I want to thank you, Pat, for taking the time. Um, we, I didn't even get into half the stuff I wanted to talk to you about today. <laughs> and, and maybe I'll have an off-line uh, conversation with you and I'll write about it. But, or maybe uh, we'll do it again. Yes. You're, you're, you know what? I want, I, want to talk, yeah, I want to talk to you about just so many other things. But anyway, um, thank you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and being a wonderful messenger uh, for my listeners and for helping them get on the right path, to live in the now, to forget the past, and to focus their efforts and energies on now, 
on what they're doing right now, because that's all that's important and that's all we have. So thank you for that. Hopefully I said that correctly. My pleasure. All right. And for my listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback. And uh, I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did. And I look forward to continuing our discussion. With that, everyone, have a great day. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bones. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.